0: Hello and welcome to the round the world special uh, episode for this week. Yes, it's a special episode and a very special one this week indeed because we have uh, joining us uh, as guests on this week's show uh, two uh, record breakers uh, pilots. But more about those later. So joining me in uh, the PTUK studios this week, I am back in the studio with Matt this week. And
1: uh, it's safe to say it's rather warm in here. And uh, welcome, Matt Smith. Hello, hello. Sorry, yes, uh, yes. Many buttons are being pressed all at once here. He's busy. He's literally. (laughs) You've got five fingers on one hand, (laughs) and Matt's Matt's using a good three or four
0: of those to move sliders.
1: Right. Yes. Indeed. All at once. It's the it's the Nev knows all about that. It's the dance of the faders, isn't it? The dance of the (laughs) faders.
0: Yeah, we should have one of the motorised ones. They look so cool when you see them on the uh, right. Okay. Well, we'll add that to the list of things we can't afford, shall we? Yes.
1: Okay. Good. (laughs) Oh, so uh, um, uh, quick. How have you been this week? Yes, not too bad. Thank you. Muddling on, as they say. Muddling on. uh, Grateful that we've had some. decent weather for a change we have yeah i, I believe it's all about to come to a, a catastrophic it end uh, over the weekend so yeah there we are we've we've yeah. had our fun for <laughs> all those
0: people who like thunderstorms i think we've got a few um pending for this uh, this weekend so Ooh,
1: mr holly will be excited then yeah
0: yeah, yeah. so uh, joining us as well this week uh, across the uh, across the lands in the stately mansion that is in buckinghamshire uh, it is of course a rather warm as well <laughs> neville bounds <laughs>
2: Uh, Yes, it is warm, isn't it? Gosh. (laughs) And uh, I've obviously caught the sun a bit by the looks of things as I was uh, up in the northwest of England this week. And I did a bit of aviation, in fact, uh, but without leaving the ground. So I went to the uh, Harden Airfield, which is uh, where the Airbus factory is. It, Broughton, just on across the uh, Welsh border there, and uh, as always, the most important thing is the food. Uh, so I went to the Chocks Away Cafe, which was absolutely superb. Can't recommend it highly enough. That was great. And then uh, coming back down, uh, the M6, I popped in to see Captain L had a very nice lunch with him yesterday. So it's uh, been aviation and food this week, I'm pleased to say. But, uh, yeah, great to be back on the show and looking forward to what is to come as well.
1: Now, I, I, if you ever needed a testament as to how warm it is in, in Nev's studio currently, I think, Nev, this is the first time I've seen you without a shirt on this evening. I mean, for the, it's for got the a audio listeners on. of the show, he is wearing a T-shirt. I just stress.
2: Yes, <laughs> yeah, so we, we made sure the temperature in here, I think it was the other day, it was like 29 <laughs> degrees in the room or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit too warm for my liking. But, well, quite. Uh, no, we're all good now, and it's going to cool down a bit tomorrow, isn't it? So. That's what they
1: say.
0: It's that- good to have you with us as always, Nev, and uh, joining us as well this week. Uh, back with us, it's good to have the team assemble, team uh, all back mm. together again. And it, uh, well, mm. I'm going to say, oh, well, oh hot and sunny, uh, Charlotte. But uh, welcome uh, back, uh, Armando. How are things over in uh, your neck of the woods?
3: Hey guys, it's always happy to be on the show live. Like. Uh, I feel like every time I come on the show, I have a story, and we are current. I've done an electrical load shed, and I'm currently operating off of the emergency avionics bus because I've got no power to my house. So, uh, our our guests will know what that means. And I'm actually interested to hear if he had any issues uh, on his adventures, as we're going to talk about here in a second, like this. But uh, yeah, currently I've got one hour and forty four minutes of of emergency battery left before. Uh, imminent shutdown.
1: <laughs> oh, blimey. So we, we we better not hang around then, is what you're politely telling
3: us. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Like any good aviator, there's always a good backup plan. Right. And oh, actually,
0: I'm shocked, Armando. I thought a, a man of your caliber would have had some sort of huge kilowatt generator in the garage or something.
3: Yeah, it's on my list of things to do. One, one of these <laughs> days, I'll have a, a massive diesel generator right. <laughs> so yeah. we can be completely <laughs> yeah. off the grid. But off for now, yeah. Yep, yeah. I'm part of the ma- tricks for now
1: Lovely, part Man, of the f-
3: electrical <laughs> jokes I love it <laughs> keep,
1: keep them coming, keep them coming. <laughs> well quite okay, so, good luck everyone Yeah.
0: we're going <laughs> to say a big welcome to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening all the usual family members in there are going to run through and have a look who's joined us tonight we've got Richard Adams hello to you uh, Lee Davies Lee Davies has been in the chat room since half past three this afternoon so he's uh, dedicated <laughs> uh, we've got we've got Mazous Karim hello Mazus, hope you are also very well. Oliver, hold on, Oliver Steinmetz. I oh, hope I a pronounced a name. name correctly. Yeah. Hello to you, Oliver. Hope you are well. Welcome to uh, welcome to the family. Uh, Jonathan Warner, our resident uh, photographer of aviation. Is in there? Hello, Jonathan. I expect he's probably working there in China. I can say place, he's but...
1: joining us for a little while before he's off to work. I think.
0: So. And uh, Masha, hello to you, Masha. I hope uh, you're well. Hope the sun is shining uh, across the across the well across the way. The where water. Is. We'll it's say the water. The water. Yes. Uh, Graham Haley, hello to you, Graham. Good to see you in there, Graham. This week, uh, Leo Bramley, hello to you, Leo. Another another new name. Like it? Like Leo it? Hello good. to you, Leo. Uh, we have got as well Neil Lanwarne Hello to you Neil Good to see you also in the chat room this week And also wielding his blue spanner of doom it is Neville Bounds Of course uh, Keeping an eye Indeed. On, on things
1: uh, Armando I don't know if you do You probably don't have access to the, cha- to the chat room there But uh, Graham Haley has uh, made a suggestion Regarding your, your diesel generator here He's saying that uh, Diesel generator Armando Surely you want a nice APU instead mm. I'm sure the neighbours won't mind that at all <laughs>
3: You know that actually, Graham. That's a great idea. I'm sure I could go out to the airport, and there are some aircraft that are in storage. So maybe I could, you know, pull one of those off, and <laughs> maybe a couple hundred gallons of of jet fuel too. Right. Nobody'll to will, nobody will notice.
1: Keep it ticking over. Yes. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so don't forget if you are listening to our glorious voices via uh, the audio podcast, and uh, you fancy as well actually seeing what we all look like don't do it stay where you are don't it's stay much where you it's
1: much more comfortable. Uh, you can,
0: <laughs> you can look for us over on youtube just search plain talking uk uh don't forget as well when you're on our youtube page to uh, click on that subscribe button and also hit the bell icon next door to to be notified when we are recording the live show like we are right now and you can join us in the chat room plus all the family as well which is Indeed. always a good thing as well absolutely so, uh, as I said at this, the top of the show, uh, we have uh, got a guest with us uh, this week. And uh, our guest, this uh, first guest this week uh, is uh, a young 18-year-old from Ibstone in the UK. He's the youngest person to circumnavigate by aircraft solo. Uh, he became the UK's youngest glider pilot at 14 and the youngest certified PPL pilot at 17. Uh, his dream since the age of 10 was to become the youngest pilot to fly around the world and he's never let go of that dream. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome onto the show uh, tonight on the Plane Talking UK podcast Travis Ludlow. Hello Travis, how are you this evening?
4: Hi, good evening. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Great to be on the show, great to talk to all you guys and uh, oh, great to be uh, back home finally in the UK.
0: So Travis, you obviously, you went uh, on your trip, uh, was it in May this year?
4: Yeah, May May 29th I left, uh, well I left the UK May 27th, and then the official departure was uh, from the Netherlands on May 29th.
0: So Travis, let's go back to where things started I suppose with you then with, uh, with flying, and uh, obviously with the glider, I th- you went gliding first, done the gliding kind of side of things first, so at what age did you start gliding?
4: Yeah, so I started gliding uh, when I was 12. My my godmother actually got me a, a trial gliding flight and uh, I got hooked on to aviation then. I mean, I, I've always been interested in aviation, but, but that's what got me hooked into actually flying. And, uh, you know, I continued my training. and actually eventually went solo in a glider on my 14th birthday. And uh, uh, that taught me the basic, you know, stick and rudder skills of uh, you know, that would be super useful in my uh, training training. Uh, you know, powered aircraft
0: uh, in the future. So, uh, just quickly on the gliding side of things, what what would you say? Because obviously, we we talk to pilots and stuff on the show. A lot of pilots, GA pilots, who fly fixed wing, you know, motorised aircraft uh, with an engine. But we do have a lot of a lot of listeners who are glider pilots and enjoy gliding. What what is it about gliding that appeals to you? Why did you kind of want to go there first?
4: Well, I think it's uh, it's it's so peaceful up there. You know, you're, there's no engine to worry about. Uh, and, and uh, when I was doing it actually uh, you didn't have to worry really about the radio um, uh, and so you, you just take off and you just fly pretty much you keep it a good lookout uh, make sure the aircraft the, the string is uh, <laughs> in the middle of the uh, the canopy and uh, just flying the aircraft it's uh, it was it, absolutely amazing fun and um, you know j- all we can hear is a wind noise I think it's just you know the peacefulness and the freedom of being up there and uh, you know, technically if the weather's perfect a glider could uh, fly forever so yeah, it's it's pretty pretty incredible what they can do so it's just
1: amazing i mean i must admit that's one of the things that surprised me the most about it i mean i've, I've never had that experience uh, and that but uh, we've seen a few at, like air shows and things like that where they've been doing like demonstrations i mean and some of the routines that the glider you know ac- uh, the, the glider pilots that are doing demonstrations and stuff uh, the thing that always blows my mind is literally what you're saying is that's that silence isn't it all you can hear is that sort of like woo, of the whoosh, of the, yeah. the whoosh It. i mean it's a even now thinking about it it's almost gives me goosebumps that 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 noise
4: yeah yeah it's um it's very it's it's quite a strange feeling at first in the, and and, and you yeah, hear it at hear it all it's just you're normally on uh, airliners and it's just you can hear the jet engines but this is just
1: whoosh, yeah
4: whoosh, and, you know you change your speed slightly it goes whoosh, when you go a bit faster whoosh, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's really uh yeah huge differences in the noise all just on how how fast you're going so uh, very very surreal at first a very
1: very random question here i mean obviously because when you're taking off of course you're under tow aren't you from uh what the the i mean what sort of aircraft have you, have you been towed under usually sort of getting airborne
4: yes yeah, so, i mean it's it, it's a lot of a lot of different aircraft uh, uh piper you know piper pa 28s with the, you know, just a uh more powerful engine and prop or uh yeah. you know just the, you got know, crop dusters as well yeah you got a crop duster with a with a big <laughs> prop at the front um uh, and pretty much anything at uh, uh, that you know has a has a powerful enough engine can can tow a glider. So, uh, uh, but I mean, it's not it's not just that method to to tow a glider. You can. Turglider glider with cars off a mountain
1: or you really can, uh, tour, yeah
4: exactly that's terrifying
1: that's absolutely terrifying is that a noise that uh, i mean it's, I, presumably you can you can hear the a- aircraft engine can you while while you're sort of in that that bit of taking off and then going up into the air are you aware of the noise of the piper in, in this particular example
4: yeah you can you can hear it so you know you know that they're about to take off so you're ready to go and uh, you can hear it for like the first as you as you're first you're accelerating down the down the runway but uh, eventually the the wind noise you know, is, it becomes loud enough to that you can't actually hear the, the aircraft in front but it's uh, it's strange to, to hear that at first. i've
0: got, I got one last question on the gliding before we move on it's, it's something that's been on my mind for for a while when it comes to gliding when you initially obviously get airborne and you've taken off from whatever airfield you've taken off from do you, do, you, do you go to another airfield or how, how can you gauge how long you'll be able to stay airborne as to know where you're going to land back at, whether you'll land back at the field you took off from or somewhere different?
4: Uh, well, when I actually did my license, because you had to be 17 to hold a glider license and not just, a, not just a, a private pilot's license. So you can fly solo at 14, but you can't actually leave the airport you're flying from at 14. So I I wasn't actually taught about flying to other airports. Um, uh, after you know, after the after I went solo, so yeah, all I could do was fly solo around around the airport. So, but it's it's about uh, it's you essentially look at the uh runway uh off of the off of your wing, and you have to think okay, the uh, runway is uh you know uh you no know, three quarters of the way down the wing, uh, and so at this point you turn. You turn for this, and then okay, you've got a bit of a headwind, so we have to turn a bit earlier for the final. And so it, that's that's really how they uh, how they how it's all done. It's just the uh, line of sight all, all the time, pretty much.
1: So in your in your time, sort of like gliding and stuff. I mean, what's the longest flight that you'd, you'd managed to do on a glider? Uh,
4: longest I did was actually two hours, um, which was wow, uh, pretty pretty incredible. You know, you go up there at uh, you're not even that. You know, you get you get uh, sent about uh, four thousand feet in the air, or so and uh, you just circle in there circle in the thermals that the rising air and it it keeps you up for, for all that time and it, we could have gone for longer but uh someone else wanted to fly the plane on the ground so we had to head back um but, yeah it was <laughs>
1: somebody else would, so how long do you think you could have gone for then if you if you hadn't got to go back
4: uh i mean i, I think we could have gone till uh yeah until about 6 p.m at night you know, wow when, when it started to when the thermal started to die down i reckon i think it could have gone for for that long maybe you know another yeah, another six hours or so
1: that's amazing That. Now- I, I'm I'm very uh, <laughs> sorry. John is saying, and no, I read the the real question is how long can you hold it for? That's basically where we're going. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah uh, now I'm very aware I'm monopolizing the questions here, so uh, I wondered if uh, Armando, you might have a few questions.
3: Actually, we want to take it back a little bit. So before gliding, you you have always been interested in aviation, right? I I mean, uh, we, we were reading about you. So we've we've actually been following you. This is sounds kind of stalkerish, but, <laughs> but yeah, we've try, been not to, following try not your to sound too creepy. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, we're an aviation yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're based in the UK, despite my accent. So when when you became uh, the the youngest PPL holder, it, it was I think we did a story on it. But wow. but your story goes way back to your childhood and watching YouTube videos. So who were who were some of those people that influenced you? Or, or led you to gliding, and then eventually to where you are today.
4: Uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, I come from a non aviation uh, aviation background. Um, I haven't actually, you know, my none of my, no one in my family flies. Uh, I'm the only pilot, anyone interested in aviation. And uh, I, I, I to be honest, I'm not really sure what uh, what what one of me what one of me you know, maybe love aviation. I think it was just the, the love of the aircraft and uh, just the the. This, i got i'm really interested in you know in planes itself and uh when i go on holiday the most exciting part for me would be the actual flight to the uh destination so uh yeah that it's just i've, I've always been interested in it and i used to have a pile of magazines next to me uh aviation magazines to my bed every every night i'd read and so yeah that's uh that's it. i mean i i don't really have like a role model or someone who got me into it but uh uh yeah as soon as i as soon as i stepped in that glider for the first time i was hooked into you know wanting to be a pilot wanting to fly
3: yeah and and now you were an air cadet also right
4: yeah that's right yeah i was I was an air cadet um uh before i started gliding and uh uh and i i started gliding while I was still in the air cadets and uh actually got an air cadet uh, gliding badge which was awesome as well so uh yeah it's uh the air cadets were super great um you uh, know get got me a lot of flying experience and uh, you know they they
1: pay for a lot of your flying, so it's uh, yeah, mm-hmm. really, really awesome. Yeah, you're you're a big advocate yeah. of the air cadets, aren't you,
4: Armando? I am. Yeah, it, and you know it
3: has to do with this podcast and this show because so many of our guests have gotten their starts as an air cadet and really fostered that that passion in aviation. But but it's great when you're part of a community that is like minded, and the other kids uh, and the and the adult mentors are are all into it. And it, man. Travis, you're a great example. It was probably in your blood to begin with, and and you know pilots will do anything for an hour of flight time. <laughs> yeah, uh, we will do a lot of things. Trust me, and and to have that similar mentality in your community is is great. So
1: fantastic! It's I mean, was there. I mean, the the journey for for you. Do, I mean, do you know where it came from? Your your love of aviation. Do you do you know what what triggered it?
4: Uh, to be honest, I'm not really sure. The, the earliest memories I have of of aviation was uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, going on holidays. But uh, I mean, the, the first time I was really interested in seeing aircraft, I was uh, I was sitting outside my house, and uh, there was a plane flying overhead and uh, doing lots of cool stunts, and uh, I thought that was that's the coolest thing you know ever. And I, I, mean, that could have been what sparked it, sparked it But uh, honestly, I'm not I'm not too sure. It, it, you know, it could be it could have been anything. I just Always loved it for as long
0: as I can remember. Pretty much. I suppose the question. I, I suppose the question has to be um, just a quick one on the commercial aviation side of things. <laughs> Airbus or Boeing? Oh, you
1: can't. <laughs> you can't <laughs> ask that question. Oh, you don't have to answer that one. You really don't. <laughs>
4: uh, well, well, I, 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 I just say I'll say Airbus. <laughs> okay, oh, okay, right. Captain
1: right. Al will be thrilled. Uh- <laughs>
4: you,
3: you could also answer Cessna. Right, so, so
4: there you are. <laughs> because
3: I feel like you're probably going to have a special affinity to the Cessna since it did treat you well, I assume. So what? So you went on to do your PPL, and what aircraft did you do that in?
4: Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I, uh, I actually started my PPL in uh, uh, Cessna 150s uh, and 152s. Uh, I went solo in the 152, and then I, uh, after that I moved on to the uh, Piper pa 28 um, which I finished my PPL on, and I got about uh, 200 hours on a PA28, uh, and then after that I transitioned back to the 172, and uh, that's what I took around the world.
1: Wow, in the Cessna 172, yeah. four seats. Yeah. It's it's
3: talk, funny talk to us about that decision. So, how did, out of all the airplanes in the world that you had access to, how did you decide as, as your, because it was Nick, your your father, that was really kind of came up with this idea, right? Yeah. And how did you end up deciding the 172 is the airplane that's that's going to take me around the world?
4: Uh well well there were a, a few things I had to uh think about I had to think about uh, the reliability of the aircraft. Uh Cessna's are very reliable. I mean they are they've been flying for what you know 80 not 80 years, maybe you know, 70 years or something uh, uh 172s and so they're a you know, really great really great aircraft and uh, uh, you get parts everywhere you know it could be in the middle of nowhere and they still get you know, parts of a 172 uh, or if not you know, easy to ship over and uh, as well as that uh, have uh, had quite a, a strange requirement for the aircraft I, uh, I needed it to run on uh, jet fuel or, or diesel um, and so uh, uh, 172s and b 28s are, have uh, are certified for a uh, an engine swap for a uh, continental a diesel or jet fuel engine and it's you swap it out you ch- you chuck this engine in and it's actually a mercedes a class engine a you know, wow. automotive engine, engine which they you know they buy the engines that off the uh, off the factory then they slap a turbocharger on them and they uh, uh you know, make them you know ready for aviation <laughs> and then they put a propeller on the end put them in the engine and uh, <laughs> put them in the aircraft and uh yeah and they, the reason i wanted this engine was I'm only burning about 15 litres an hour of fuel or four gallons an hour. And so I'm, uh, you know, insane efficiency and I can go about a thousand miles on one full tank. Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, absolutely amazing. And that's really the reason I chose the Cessna was because it could take this engine and have the great reliability.
1: That's incredible. That, that, that is incredible. And is that, is that decision purely for... um like because it was the availability of that fuel you know i I suppose because that has to be your decision is it you know it's all very well being at flight but you've got to be able to top it up when you need to i mean there must have been some serious planning involved there
4: yeah so so that that was one of the uh one of the factors was you know jet fuel needed to be uh well it's it's not required but you're having jet fuel is a lot a lot easier uh you know you can get that everywhere in the world you know because airliners they run on jet fuel you can get that everywhere um so uh that was that was one of the factors but i mean uh uh the, the main reason was the the we needed to be jet fuel was just the efficiency of it compared to uh you know an avgas engine or you know a petrol engine it's uh you know, burning uh, almost half the amount of fuel that burns gave me uh the range a you know, 1000 mile range which was uh, needed for the um uh for these long flights and you know in comparison without the uh jet fuel it would have been uh, about half the range of uh, of with the avgas engine so yeah really really incredible
3: yeah and you were and you were able to finish the trip in about 44 days
4: is is what i saw yeah 44 days exactly yeah yeah
3: so it would have it would have taken you significantly longer relying on avgas huh
4: yes and uh yeah if i had avgas as well i'd also need a a ferry tank uh in the back um as well which is you know really complicated and uh yeah you things more more things that could have gone wrong um yeah, the diesel engine is a lot easier to operate as well, so it's controlled by a, a FADEC. Um, you know, it stands for Full Authority Digital Engine Control. Um, so a computer basically manages the engine, manages how much fuel goes in, how much air goes in, uh, the uh, uh, prop, uh, propeller pitch. Um, so yeah, the engine's always running at its you know, maximum efficiency, and the, you have one lever which controls all of that. So no you know, no issues to run it at all. It's, it's super easy.
2: I was just thinking from a, a personal point of view, uh, Travis. I mean, the PPL is only the first part, obviously, to learning about flying. And uh, new pilots often say they always learn something about, uh, about their flying each time they, they go. But it's a heck of a leap between taking a PPL and doing a <laughs> yeah, round-the-world yeah, yeah, yeah. trip. So what's the, what's the process of going from that um, to the round-the-world trip? And how um, did you gain the confidence that you could do that?
4: Yeah, so uh, uh, when I well, pretty much as soon as I got my private pilot's license, you're not out past pass possess. I mean, as soon as I uh, on the on my seventeenth birthday, I walk, I, I went to the uh, uh, Civil Aviation Authority's offices and picked up my license uh, directly from them. Uh, the next day, I flew on a uh, airliner to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, um, uh, where I did actually started my instrument rating training um, with uh, AeroGuard uh, Flight Training in Phoenix. So. Yeah, pretty much as soon as I as soon as I got my uh, license, I was already off to get an instrument rating. So uh, that's where it all started, getting experience for it. Um, uh, and uh, after that, uh, you know, after getting my instrument rating, I did a lot of uh, uh, you flying, just you flying around, doing practicing approaches and building hours. Um, and uh, what people don't uh, think about, you know, they think about yeah, that's yeah, you know, instrument rating, night rating, and uh, uh, five pilot's license. That's it. But uh, no, I, I had to. I did a lot of, uh, well, this, I didn't have to, but I did a lot of um, ditching and uh, water survival courses. So, you know, if, uh forbid, the engine failed or, uh, uh, you know, I only have one engine. So, yeah, if, uh, if that happens, I have to be landing in the sea at any moment. So I know how to do it, uh, how to use the life raft, how to get out of the plane onto the life raft, how to use all the equipment, you know, the, the PLBs and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, making sure that I was as safe as possible on the, on the entire trip, that was, uh, a lot more of the training that went into it as well and uh, yeah, mountain flying was also very important so yeah a huge amount of training not just the PPL and I think uh, people, a lot of people say and I agree that the, the private pilot's license is just a license to learn, really,
2: and that's uh, yeah. yeah, I agree <laughs> yeah. along with that. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think the other thing is that when you're doing these sorts of things, um, uh, the flying bit, as long as the weather's sensible, is reasonably straightforward. But as always in aviation, it's all about the planning, isn't it? So, how did you decide on the route uh, that you were going to take, and how did you plan that? And, and what would have been a sort of a typical day for you uh, during the uh, endurance?
4: Yeah, so there was uh, there was a lot of uh, planning that went into the route. Um, you know, I mean, I started planning the route pretty much straight away, um, and uh, as soon as I started thinking about this trip, and uh, it uh, a lot of it was uh, um, uh, weather related stuff. So, uh, you know, staying clear of the Far East, um, uh, to, you know, the know, monsoon season was coming in, and uh, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, political uh, things as well. I had to remain clear, of, so I was planning to fly from. Uh, uh, the Netherlands to Warsaw and then directly from Warsaw to Moscow. But, uh, like a couple of weeks before that, uh, you know, we had the incident with, the, uh, Belarus, uh, Ryanair flight that was intercepted. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so I had to, you know, I, instead I routed North, I just uh, stopped in a half military base in, uh, in Russia. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, the, the route was changing pretty much all the time, you know, g- g- coming up before, before the flight. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so, uh, uh, planning the flight through Russia. The reason I chose Russia was uh, uh, allowed me to cross the Pacific without um, uh, doing really, really long flights over the North. Uh, sorry, over the Pacific Ocean. Uh, you know, two fifteen-hour legs uh, you know, from uh, uh, you know, from Asia to Hawaii, then from Hawaii to the mainland US. Um, those are super dangerous flights for a single-engine aircraft, or uh, any aircraft, really. So uh, that's the reason I chose th- th- uh, to go through Russia um and uh as well as that north atlantic as well going over greenland and iceland um uh again making sure yeah i was as far off of uh this uh, uh yeah, as, as, as little flights over the ocean as possible um but other than that if flights in the u.s I, I could do what i wanted i could wake up in the morning and uh decide to go somewhere if i wanted to uh, a lot of times uh mid-flight i decided to just land somewhere yeah, i just told the uh, atc i was like ah, oh, you know what? i'm gonna land here instead <laughs> and so uh yeah that's the thing uh, about the
2: us isn't it i mean it's basically it's uh, civil uh aircraft space and if the military need a a playground or something then it's allocated to them but the rest of the world and especially europe is basically military and the civil guys have to sort of uh, weave their way in, in between that that's what it seems from my point of view anyway
4: yeah, that's right, yeah, and it, I, I, the US system is absolutely amazing, um, but, uh, you know, they have all the space to allow them to do it, which, uh, we don't have as much here, um, but, uh, yeah, the, the ability that it could just take off somewhere, I don't have to tell anyone, I could just land there without even t- telling the airport that I'm coming, you know, it's, uh, it's strange, you know, here we have, uh, uh, you have to get prior permission to land and, uh, you know, which is stupid, it's an airport, you know, if you're not allowed to land there, no, no, put a no time or something like that, so, you know, it's, uh, it's strange, you know, but, uh. Yeah, it's I, I flying in the, in the US was absolutely amazing.
1: What What was the bit for, for you? As you your mentioned there about the, the the flying and stuff. I mean, were there any particular events, if you like, where where you thought, my goodness, how am I going to solve that?
4: Uh, uh, there were a few actually. Where um, uh, I'm coming into an airport, and uh, uh, this is in, in Russia, and uh, there's actually no airports to divert to in Russia. Pretty much yeah, here, they, 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 it's just because of the size of it. The nearest airport uh, from your destination would be another five hundred miles away, and so you're flying. I'm flying these legs at the maximum of my range, and uh, I'm arriving. And I arrived at this airport, and the uh, the weather was you know, uh, you know marginal, uh, minimal VF. Uh, sorry, minimal IFR. Um, and so I'm uh, I'm coming in. I d- uh, got about uh, uh, two hours of fuel left, uh, but I've still got a, a the diversion airport is uh, about uh, you know four hour flight time away. So I'm uh, coming in, uh, doing the approach, keep going, missed a few times. Luckily, just about came in, but that was definitely a few times when I was thinking, yeah, I'm not going to be able to land in time because the weather's too bad at this airport. And then what do I do? I don't have enough fuel to go anywhere else. But, uh, you know, luckily, uh, the weather uh, opened up just slightly for the flight, and it was, it was great, yeah.
0: On, on the subject of the legs that you were doing, Travis, obviously the, the, the lengths of each particular segment you have done of the, of the whole journey, you're up there on your own um obviously you're flying what did you obviously you've, you've got to pay attention to what's going on around you and your your instruments and over the temperatures and pressures etc and stuff like that but did you i mean that's just the question is did you have music on podcasts or is there to sort of keep you motivated as such yeah so i had uh i had music uh
4: yeah i connected my uh my phone, the Spotify, um, which is just which is really great. I also had uh, satellite phones, uh, actually built into the aircraft, uh, Iridium satellite phones. Uh, so I had uh, you know, 100% global coverage, and I was able to call anyone wherever I was in the world, uh, you know, through my headset as well. So it, yeah, uh, you know, and you know, when air traffic control spoke, it would automatically uh, cut out. So it was, a uh, you know, really, really great system, and it really helped pass the time being able to speak to my friends and family and my girlfriend while I'm there. Uh, <laughs> While I'm up there, and uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, it also really helped over the uh, over the North Atlantic as well. Um, uh, you have a requirement to use a HF radio um, for for the long flights over the uh, Atlantic, and then you're allowed to use a satellite phone as the backup. Um, and so, what I had on board was the uh, was the uh, uh, I had a HF radio, um, and I uh, you know I turned it on. I had some a few issues with it, um, uh, and I, I could hear, but they couldn't hear me. On all the frequencies so use a satellite phone cool i call the air traffic control use satellite phone and it worked absolutely fine just oh, using a satellite phone so that that helped a lot and uh, yeah it was uh, it was really great to do that so
1: i mean i've got i've got a couple of questions here now I, I mean i i'm i don't know a lot about aviation so i apologize that i'm gonna probably ask questions that most people think are a bit daft but so my My thing here, because I mean, you were in a a Cessna 172 doing a, a, frankly, a ridiculous challenge. I mean, well done on doing it, but, but (laughs) absolutely bonkers. Uh, There was uh, such an amazing achievement, but I mean, presumably this wasn't a standard Cessna 172, so there must have been some adaptations that were made to the aircraft uh, and things like that so so talk me through a couple of things really uh the 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 adaptations that were done to the aircraft so how your aircraft essentially differed Mm. to the Cessna 172 that even Carlos has has had a a, a go in here um and uh, I mean presumably that wasn't a cheap process so I mean talk me through like getting the sponsorship and that kind of thing
4: yeah, so uh, the, the aircraft was you know, hugely different to a normal Cessna 172. Uh, so the, the aircraft was built in 2001. Um, uh, it's 2001 Cessna 172 R model, and because uh, it originally would have uh, steam gauges, so you know just the standard dials and uh, no GPS and no, you know, nothing like that. Uh, and then Garmin, uh, 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 yeah, they sponsored and retrofitted the uh, uh, the entire panel. Um, they put two. Uh, 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 uh screens in front of their uh and a gps navigator on board and um a uh, really really great autopilot as well uh, i absolutely love that autopilot that was a really good lifesaver for the for the trip um, and so it yeah, really made the aircraft uh, a lot more modern uh, uh yeah, um, okay, yeah, pretty much like a brand new Cessna 172 with that equipment on board um as well as that i had uh, as i mentioned they uh, a different engine um uh, quite an unusual engine for it uh, runs on jet fuel and uh it gave me the insane efficiency and uh, a really good high altitude performance as well as, as it had a turbocharger um you know in in cars your turbocharger increases the uh you know, the, the, the power and the you know the speed of the power comes into the engine and stuff like that but uh, in aircraft the turbocharger actually allows the aircraft to fly higher as it you know condenses the the, the, the thinner air up there and uh, it allows more air to go into the engine at higher altitudes, so it allowed me to fly over, the, over high altitudes, which was you know really really important. Flying over the Rocky Mountains and uh, you know flying over uh, the mountain in Europe as well it was uh, it was great. And uh, uh, other than that, I really just had a nice paint scheme as well had the uh, the british flag on the back and uh, uh yeah, <laughs> sponsors all over so yeah very, very
0: strange aircraft compared to normal 172s nev you've got uh, a very important question yes
2: it was very strange a few weeks ago i'm sitting down to dinner minding my own, my own business and uh an email comes in from your dad to um, basically saying nev do you think you could arrange for travis to uh, land in gibraltar i'm going well i go there on my holidays quite a bit and i've interviewed <laughs> the uh, general manager of uh, Nats uh, the ATC base there um I'll see what I can do so I sent him an email I don't know whether that it worked at all or whether you were able to get in by other means but um how'd you get on uh, going into into Gib?
4: yeah yeah Gibraltar was great I actually uh, uh contacted the RAF um, side of it as well and they they actually managed it all they they handled it all uh and uh, that was that was great landing there the uh, really really uh, great and uh, great sights going into with the, with the big rock and uh, uh, when i was coming in actually the uh, uh um uh, britain's new aircraft carrier was was uh, right there on the uh, just just in front of the final approach path so seeing that yeah i, I was about 50 feet away from it I could have landed on the deck if i wanted to <laughs> and uh, so yeah it was, that was a really cool landing there a uh, bit challenging as well but the uh, the weather was uh, uh, very very windy um and uh very turbulent because of the rock yeah causing wasn't yeah you never
2: quite there. know what you're going to get at, at jib do you and uh, no. yes the a diversion to malaga is quite quite a way away isn't it but uh, that's right uh, oh, i'm glad you got in that that's fantastic but uh, no it's, it's it's a nice place to be isn't it and the uh, atc guys are very friendly there as well i've always uh, found so well yeah superb good good for you
3: i think that's a you mentioned a good point there, the, the winds and the weather at that airport in, in Russia. So what was like, I'm sure you learned a lot during this trip, but what's the, what's the one lesson in aviation or even personally that you learned that that's really going to stick with you? Uh, well, I
4: mean, I, I learned to, to stay calm actually in, in, in difficult situations. Uh, you know, I, uh, I've, I've had a few challenges, uh, and a few times over the uh, sorry, I had a, a time over the Rocky Mountains and encountered a mountain wave at midnight, um, and uh, actually dropped about 2,000 feet in 30 seconds. Uh, uh and uh, it you know, uh, and I was actually at the minimum safe altitude before I dropped, and so I dropped 2,000 feet below the minimum safe altitude. So that was uh, definitely very uh, quite a scary moment, but I handled it really well. I, I, you know, aviate, navigate, communicate the three main rules I. Just turned around, uh, navigated to uh, uh, just the opposite direction of the course I was flying, and then uh, uh, yeah, told ATC what happened. And I, it worked out great. They were super helpful, and I stayed calm. And uh, uh, as long as you stay calm, I think uh, you know you can. It's so much safer in, uh, when you when you're flying.
3: Yeah, that's. Uh, I can. I mean, I, I haven't done much international flying other than the UK, but the Rockies can be. Uh, incredibly precarious if you're not used to those kinds of weather patterns there, and it certainly is interesting to fly. Now, was was that the highest terrain that you went over in the Cessna, or or were there some other areas?
4: Uh, it was it was uh, actually about the same height as the uh, uh, as the mountains uh, uh, between uh, what's what's those mountains called again between France and Spain? Um, uh, of the Alps. Uh, no, the the uh, Pyrenees. Um, pyrenees yeah the pyrenees that's it so yeah. i also flew over the pyrenees and i think that the points i flew over are about the same the same height um uh so but yeah that was that was the uh those are the two highest they're pretty much just exactly like the same um highest altitudes i flew at uh but lucky i didn't encounter a mountain when yeah. flying over the pyrenees and also uh i think that's another lesson i learned as well i was not flying over you know big mountains at, at midnight <laughs> <laughs>
5: so,
4: yeah. yeah uh
3: now did these, these are great lessons. Did you have a mentor? Did you have anybody that sat down with you beforehand and said, "Hey, look out for these things." Uh these things despite me telling you are still going to surprise you. Did you did you take on the fa- the planning yourself with your family or
4: did you have some outside
3: help in doing this?
4: Yes, yeah, so I had a lot of uh, a lot of help, uh, a lot of advice was given to me from uh from uh, past earth rounders um uh, speaking to uh, uh Michael Smith who uh, who uh flew around the world actually in a uh, uh, uh flying boats and uh, that was that was awesome uh, uh you know speak to many uh, pilots uh, you know uh James Ketchall flew around in a gyrocopter gave me lots of good advice fly through russia um uh, and uh, you know uh, lots of lots of great advice so um it was you know given to me you know, warning me about weather in these bases yeah you know, traffic control the the bureaucracy would have to deal with uh you know, all sorts of stuff and it was uh, they they had a key part in the planning uh, and preparation to it as well um and so that's that's really how it uh, how it played out and uh, I'm really really thankful for their uh, their advice
1: i've got, i've got a a question if i if I may travis uh, uh you obviously had a a very tight margin i mean with all your your planning to 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 beat the record obviously you you were having to hit targets all the time and ideally beat beat them i guess so i mean how did you keep yourself from pushing too far in terms of personal limits especially when you knew you got such a tight deadline to to stick to
4: uh, well, I mean, I'm I'm quite a, a cautious person. I think I uh, I like to I don't like to push the limits at all. I, you know, as I say that, I I flew over the Rocky Mountains at, at night, but uh, uh, you know I I'm, I'm cautious. I'm always looking at the weather. I'm always you know, uh, uh, you know thinking if there's a it's a slightly bad, then I'm like okay, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to try it. Um, you know I forgot to say that the, the flight of the Rocky Mountains was absolutely clear day, uh, VFR, no. Uh, uh, you yeah, know, no issues at all, you know, no, no issues with the weather side. And, uh, uh, and so that, that, that's the reason I flew on that day. But, um, uh, you know, I, I make sure that, uh, uh, you know, the personal limits are no more than 10 hours of flying in a day. That's what I, that's what I did. Um, and if I did fly 10 hours in a day, then I'd have a day's break the next day. Um, uh, if the weather was, uh, uh, uh March, if the, if the, if the weather was IFR conditions at the airport, I was landing at on the, uh, METAR uh, and the TAF was saying it was going to get uh, stay the same and get worse, and I wouldn't fly there. Um, and uh, uh, and also, uh, you know, if there were any uh, any issues along the way, even if I could t- route around it, I wouldn't have uh, gone any either. So uh, that's uh, that's what I did. Uh, that's sort of my minimums, I guess, I made for myself to for this uh, planning. Yeah.
1: So, so the, the when you, when you actually got home, I mean, what how how much had you beaten the record by the by, by the time you you made it back home?
4: Uh, yes, yeah, so I had beaten the, the record by just thirteen days. Uh, one that's one just just days.
1: thirteen <laughs> days. That's insane.
4: That's a huge. That's a huge number. Well, uh, but uh, that my my original plan was to uh, was to beat the record by uh, uh, just over a year. Actually, um, uh, the plan was for me to fly around the world last year. Um, beat the record at the age of 17 instead of 18. Oh, and, uh, yeah, so smashed
1: <laughs> oh how rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah so, uh,
4: yeah, uh, you know, I had to, I, that's the, the reason I, uh, I, be- I beat it by, uh, uh you yeah, know, what, uh, 13. I, I calculated last year after deciding not to fly around the world because of the pandemic, uh, that, uh, you know, I could still beat the record and have, uh, and have uh, a two weeks margin, which is pretty much exactly what I calculated yeah. so after, still after having, delays along the flight so yeah it worked out fine
1: well and I suppose that advantage there isn't it as you say, because you've got some days in hand if you like you you were able to be your normal self if you like being cautious not taking any unnecessary risks and things like that
4: that's right yeah that and uh, you know I had uh, uh you're staying cautious I had the weather on my side uh, uh, in Russia was was great there was a uh, actually before I entered Russia there was a line of thunderstorms on the east side of Russia where I was coming in from yeah I flew I flew east around the world and so the, sorry, sorry. So on the uh, on the west side of Russia, there was thunderstorms, and uh, they just blew uh, 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 eastwards. I just followed them with tailwinds all the way along through Russia, and it just left clear what clear weather behind it. So it was just BFR all the way through Russia. Absolutely amazing, uh, and uh, uh, so that really—I mean—that that took me a third of the way around the world in a week. I, I crossed Russia in a week in a 172. Uh, so it was uh, yeah, incredible doing that, and. Uh, that that was a huge huge help for uh, you know, great kickstart for the trip um, and uh, you know, made, made it made it made it great. So uh, that's uh, that's essentially how
0: I how I did it. Yeah. Go, going back to the aircraft that you um, you you done the the trip in the one seven two, Travis. I mean I I done most of my training in the one fifty and I had a probably about, logged about three or four hours in the one seven two. An hour's lesson. I was you know you got out of the aircraft at the end of an hour's lesson and you 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 got out. It was you know the comfort levels were not massively high especially in the (laughs) 150 uh not when you've got someone sitting next to you anyway um how i mean you're up there for quite a long time in the 172 and obviously the the seats and stuff that you've got in there did you put extra cushioning in just to give yourself some more comfort while you're flying fancy seats that's what i reckon uh yeah no
1: it was
4: actually the, the the aircraft uh, uh, had the standard seats in that they were put in in 2001. Um, but luckily, these are uh, back uh, You yeah, know, in 2001, they, they actually started to uh, put more comfy seats than they did in the fifties. So it actually had, you know, headrest and, uh, you yeah, know, it was... It was- kind of like a mini armchair i guess so it was uh, a lot more comfy than uh, than the normal uh, uh says the 172 sorry well than, a, you know, than an older the mm. 172 or a the 150 so
0: yeah to be uh, fair that, the one that, that i was flying was 1973 vintage. right okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. been yeah, around so, a
1: while then yeah,
4: <laughs> <laughs> now, so, yeah Travis. That, that, that helped that definitely helped a lot um uh, but i mean there are a lot of reasons why i could fly a lot further so or a lot a lot longer and, and not and not be as tired still um I had a really nice autopilot, uh, you know, did everything for me. So, I'd uh, program it all before I took off, uh, you know, to the altitude select, it had altitude select. So, I put the altitude I wanted to fly to, there's uh the rate to climb or the speed I wanted to climb at to get to that altitude. And then I'd, uh, you know, put that all in, I put it on the route uh, in the navigation mode. It would follow that route. Uh most of the time I had it on GPS with the uh mm-hmm. an analog signals as backup. Um and then I'd uh, yeah, I'd depart. Um got to uh, got to 700 feet above the ground press a button the autopilot turns on and then the autopilot just fly the rest of the flight. um all i time i have to control as the bottle and monitor the engine and stuff until i landed the plane so that really helped with the uh you know with the fatigue and uh, the pilot workload was a lot a lot reduced with that um as well as that the engine doesn't vibrate as much as a normal i guess. it's a uh, the car engine is designed to be comfortable so it was just yeah it's a lot quieter as well so it's quiet uh doesn't vibrate so it uh, helped helped a lot and uh, with the autopilot as well i could you know, i could move my seat back and uh, you <laughs> have, a lot more, have a lot more space <laughs> and leg room and stuff
1: so yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I mean
3: travis i this is obviously a, a, an incredible personal accomplishment but you also worked with both sponsors and charities too to to help uh throughout your flight but can you tell us a little bit about those relationships and and um, I, I guess Im- importantly your sponsors because it wouldn't have happened without them but also the charities I- I'm interested in, in hearing about them and and what kind of visibility you brought
4: to them yes yeah, so I uh, uh, I've had a, a huge amount of sponsors who've helped me uh, for this trip and I'm you know so grateful for that see so, yeah, that without them it wouldn't be possible they've uh, they've allowed this all to happen and uh, you know I I couldn't afford to do this yeah, without them, and so yeah, they they've been absolutely awesome. Uh, AeroGuard yeah, getting a management rating, uh, you know, uh, Garmin as well, getting all the equipment on board there. Benis uh, King has been great as well, and uh, you know, huge, you know, huge thanks to, to many other sponsors, Iridium as well was awesome. So, uh, and uh, but most importantly, I mean, Hangar One has been absolutely incredible. Um, uh, Hangar One is actually the uh, uh, they uh, actually help organize the aircraft. They they help me find out about this aircraft and contact the owner. Uh, and uh, they were the ones who maintain and uh, the aircraft with the diesel engine and put all the avionics in. So without them, it wouldn't be possible at all. Um, and uh, but in terms of the uh, the sponsor, sorry not the sponsor, the charities. Um, uh, so I uh, I've, uh, I'm hoping to still uh, raise some more money. I'm not exactly sure how much I raised yet for uh, UNICEF. Um, that's the uh, charity I was raising, I was raising money for, um, and uh, you yeah, know still raising money for them, still getting uh, donations in for them. Hopefully. And uh, uh, the reason I'm actually supporting them was uh, uh, my ma- uh, sorry my uh, my dad is uh, used to be a, a war correspondent or you know, a cameraman for war correspondents and stuff like that, and he would go and film in uh, you know, war zones, in, in disaster zones as well, uh, you know, a uh, so, you know, place where there's you know unrest and all that sort of stuff. And uh, my dad saw the work that UNICEF did and uh, you know, the, the things they did there and all these places and how they help people. So. Uh, that's the reason I decided to, to choose UNICEF to to, uh, to support and uh, uh, yeah, really really great doing that. Um, uh, but uh, you know, the, uh, uh, I'm hoping I've I've given them some publicity and uh, yeah, told people about the cause and uh, hopefully they uh, they'll donate or or will uh, or have donated already. I'm hoping. So,
1: I mean, I I, I it's it's a, an amazing achievement uh, as as we've been saying. I mean, one of the things that uh i mean wh- do you have a uh a, a, a ballpark figure do you know how much you've raised yet
4: uh oof. i mean i'm not sure i'm mean, i i'm hoping maybe uh uh three or four thousand uh, oh wow uh, oh yeah, that's
1: fantastic uh,
4: but uh yeah i'm I'm not really too sure at all
1: so if anybody would like to to donate um how do they do that Where where's the website how do how do they uh how do they make a do- donation if they want to
4: Yes, yeah, so uh, I've got a website. It's uh, uh, www.aroundtheworldsolo.co.uk, um, aroundtheworldsolo.co.uk, So that's co uk uk. And uh, on there, it's got all my information about the flight, the route. Uh, uh, it's uh, it also got uh, a section uh, uh, called uh, "Support Me," or uh, and uh, uh, on there, you can actually uh, uh, donate to UNICEF uh, and donate to me, and actually. Uh, the donations to me now actually going towards UNICEF because I don't need the uh, the money anymore. Um, mm. but, uh, uh, that's, so that's, uh, that's what that is for. Um, and, uh, you can go donate on there. I've got a GoFundMe page as well, which is, uh, it's just search Travis on You'll be able to see me on there. And that's, uh, that's all how you can donate. And, uh, well, I'll be really appreciative of, any donations for that.
0: So what's, uh, next on the cards for you then, Travis, what is the next kind of, uh, thing you want to do? Where do you want to go next?
4: uh to be honest i i'm not really sure where to go next i've uh i've had uh i was hoping to see some uh, uh opportunities and windows that this has opened up for me and i've had a few already i've uh, uh so british airways have invited me to go fly to Ooh. their uh at uh, their uh, uh simulator uh in uh yeah, Heathrow and uh, uh go flying that the triple seven simulator which is uh really exciting and they uh when i when i went there uh, when i uh, was talking to them they said uh Uh, bring your cv with you so i'm not sure what they uh what that'll uh that'll mean so that's uh hopefully a cool uh, opportunity for me um uh, as well as that um uh uh uh, with Hangar one they it's actually uh uh, owned by a a great person who has uh, got lots of links in china and uh, he's actually managed to uh Get me an offer for uh, Shenyang uh, Aviation University in China. Oh, wow. Um, so that's uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, you're going there, uh, uh, hopefully, maybe. Uh, and uh, I'm very interested in electric aircraft, and they are doing a lot of work with electric aircraft over there. Um, and uh, maybe one day uh break the uh break the world record of the uh, first person to fly solo around the world in an uh, electric,
1: electric aircraft <laughs> wow I like it i like it now you've been to some amazing locations here uh 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 megan's saying that if he gets enough donations maybe space is next <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Who, who knows? That could be. A, that we'll, could we'll, we'll look be over a, that one. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, you've been to some amazing locations, no doubt, during this round the world trip. And I just, I've just got asked the. I, I want to ask two very quick questions before we we ne- ask Nev's our, got the last before we ask the question. big yeah. question, which we always do, uh, which will be interesting, as because I think this is the youngest person mm. we've had on, so this yeah. will be a uh, uh, is. Um, out of all the locations you went to during that time what was your favorite location and what what location would you say now i'm all right i won't go there again (laughs) um uh, i mean i I, I was looking at like the new york bits and pieces (laughs) and stuff i mean that that must have been quite amazing to see those big uh you know those big landmarks i mean you must have seen some amazing landmarks during your trip yes yeah i mean
4: I've, i've had some amazing landmarks um My favorite place, uh, actually, I visited wasn't actually the most uh, uh, beautiful place. Uh, It was uh, actually very, very industrial and uh, just wilderness and uh, and then a city. It was actually uh, uh, Yekaterinburg in Russia. Um, Oh, really? That was was probably my favorite place. Uh, I'd never actually heard of it before before I started planning for this uh, flight. Um, But it's actually the the third largest city in Russia. And I uh, I landed there. The people are absolutely incredible um actually a really really nice city um uh yeah great to be there great great people and uh i uh I met the british consulate there as well i actually had dinner with the british consulate oh wow <laughs> they, they so gave cool. me a tour around the city and uh uh and then i yeah, met lots of people in there you know people over there in, in russia um in that city and uh that that was definitely uh, one of my most favorite places i've been to um uh in terms of worst places i haven't actually been to uh place that's uh, uh, terrible really um, I mean I've been to some pretty run down places in Russia um, uh, Manili in Russia was pretty run down but uh, I can't say I didn't like it there at all I mean the people were actually incredible uh, no one spoke any English it was a uh, it was a settlement actually so there's no roads connecting to this place uh, I think the only way to get there is by boat or by uh, a big Russian helicopter um, and uh, I landed there um, for, for a fuel stop um, again, this is uh, showing that the jet fuel was super helpful. Uh, I landed on this uh, runway, just a r- really very short gravel runway uh, designed for the helicopter to have a run-up, but you know, luckily the Cessna was short enough to land on this runway, uh, so I landed on that, uh, filled up with fuel that they normally put into the uh, helicopter that runs on jet fuel, and uh, I took off from there, um, but uh, I actually had to spend the night there because the weather was too bad uh, to depart from there, and uh, I wasn't planning to spend the night there. Um, uh luckily i had uh you know, someone had a uh, uh a hostel there a really nice hostel actually that they built themselves and uh they allowed me to pay in dollars for that um as i had no more uh, uh, russian rubles and so yes yeah, i spent the night there uh, the people were actually incredible there but uh, uh sorry i haven't answered the, the worst place yet i mean i think the worst place actually was uh, uh in terms of uh, a greeting was uh uh see, landing in seattle i actually landed in uh, <laughs> boeing Field, seattle okay and uh i landed there uh so i had to do an unplanned diversion into canada due to due to weather again and uh the canadians kicked me out of the country i th- i then landed in uh uh, 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 uh uh landed in seattle way later than i planned and uh i tried to call border force told them that i was coming but they uh they weren't picking up the phone
1: So home. I just pretty much showed <laughs> i did all the
4: paperwork I did uh, all the online applications. I landed yeah. there. And, uh, and uh, I, I uh, asked the tower where to park, uh, yeah, where, where the customs was. They told me where to park. And then I, I, I saw the custom building with the, all the lights turned off. And I saw a building like attached to it uh, with the lights on. Um, and so I parked just in front of this building with the, uh, with the lights on. And uh, I, I, I started to get out the aircraft. And as I get out, this uh, you know, uh, car comes up with his lights on, and uh, a guy comes out and he's like, "I'm going to take your license away. You're you're going to go to you're going to go to uh, um, uh, jail tonight. You're not. You, you shouldn't have done that, you know." And, oh. and he's got his hands on his gun as well. You know, he's he's, he's like this, and uh, so that that was definitely the uh, the, the worst um, arrival response I've had. And uh, yeah, that was that was it, really.
1: <laughs> Armando, you need to speak for your countrymen immediately. <laughs>
3: I take no responsibility for Customs and Border Patrol.
1: <laughs> now, Nev,
3: you've
0: got uh, the last question to ask, and it's a very important question that we ask all the guests it is, that we and have on the show. Thank
2: you very much indeed, for, firstly, for spending all the time with us this evening, uh, Travis. It's been absolutely fantastic. But this is the question that we ask all of our guests on the show, or when we go and interview them uh, in person, and that is, given the opportunity to fly any aircraft at all, it could be GA, military, uh, commercial, <clears throat> either current aircraft, or uh, one that's been retired years ago what would that aircraft be
4: uh i would really like to fly a, uh, a spitfire
5: <laughs> oh, quite, wow. a funny,
4: quite, quite a mainstream uh quite a common arts i think but uh you yeah, know that's just an absolute dream come true and uh you yeah, know to, to find a british aircraft um with a a huge engine on board, big
1: Merlin a, engine, yeah, yeah,
4: big Merlin, a bit faster than a a Cessna, I think. <laughs> so, little, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Only just, probably, but yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
4: that's their that, that dream to fly. Well,
0: absolutely. for the price of a reasonable small car, you can uh, get <laughs> a flight, yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: yes, absolutely, for, for twenty minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Here we go. So, okay. well, as I say, thank you very much for joining us, Travis. You're, just, you're, you're happy to stick around for a few minutes, if uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, we'd, we'd, love to, uh, we'd love to swap you to swap notes uh, if we <laughs> may with with our next guest. Uh, so we'll we'll, we'll just uh, we'll uh, we'll move on to the next part of the show in just a moment. Sure. Well, uh, welcome
0: to our London studios. Uh, welcome to the A320 Lounge uh, webinar, uh,
2: tech presentation um, obviously for the 320 series.
1: Welcome to the A320 and 737 Lounge, bringing technical refresher courses directly to you. Using our cutting-edge broadcasting facilities, enjoy a fully interactive technical refresher course from the comfort of your own home. All of our webinars are live and you can ask your instructor a question at any point during the day. All of our instructors are highly experienced and can help you. No
6: more expensive nights away from home, no new software required, just an internet connection. Courses are run at regular intervals, so check out A320 Lounge and 737lounge.com for more details.
0: Welcome back. So we have another very special guest joining us on tonight's show. Uh, Our next guest is the youngest female to make a solo flight around the world in a single engine aircraft. Uh, She also became the first certified civilian female pilot from Afghanistan. And she earned her master's at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And she's also a mum as well. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce and welcome on to the show, Shasta Ways. Welcome on to the show.
5: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and to have this conversation with you all.
0: So I suppose it, the, the question asking, and I suppose is, um, well, obviously we'll talk about the solo flight a bit later, but uh, where did uh, the aviation bug start with you?
5: Oh, God. I don't have your traditional aviation story. Um, <laughs> quite honestly, I grew up terrified of airplanes. Uh, and re- really, the reason for that was is the only time or the only time I would see an airplane was usually on the television because of an aircraft accident. So in my head, I just thought airplanes, that's what they do. They crash. And um, so I, for me, I, I tried to to avoid flying. Um, and that changed when I had graduated from high school. Uh, I was, uh, 18 years old boarding a Delta airlines flight. And it was the first time I had ever traveled on an airplane. The, well, really the first time I ever traveled was when my family left as refugees from Afghanistan. So this was the first time where I could really understand what was going on. And there is a passenger back in like seat 30 something middle seat. Um, I, I just I fell in love with aviation as soon as it was wheels up. It, it I, the the aviation bug had bit me and it's just been this this love for flying ever since.
0: What was the first uh, aircraft you, uh, you you flew yourself in?
5: A Cessna one seventy two, which was a trainer oh. at my university. Yeah.
0: So, you, you hit the 172s before the 150s.
5: Well, <laughs> yeah. the other way around. <laughs> I <Wow>. know. <laughs> oh, yeah, Shasta, was...
3: Well, we have you on, actually, and we have yeah. Travis on. Now, Travis flew a 172, a, a Jet A-powered with a diesel engine, 172 around the world. Now, you flew around the world in what kind of airplane?
5: A BE, uh, B traff Bonanza eight BE thirty BE-36.
3: Okay. So what were not uh, Travis was telling us about choosing a Jet A powered airplane. I'm taking advantage of having both of you guys here so you guys can compare notes. <laughs> yeah, <I> no.
5: <know. laughs> of course. So he
3: said one of the challenges was was finding at gas and you flew yeah. in a bonanza, that is that is an at gas powered airplane. What right. would you have done that different nowadays or looking back?
5: You know, as I was looking into an airplane to fly around the world, I heard a lot from past earth rounders. If you can avoid Avgas or going into a country where they're kind of telling you that they're going to have Avgas, avoid it. Um, And they were very keen on telling me to skip Egypt if I could, because apparently there was in the past people who flown into Egypt, they were promised Avgas, but it was never there once they showed up. So I had a lot of hesitation going into it, but I was very fortunate because ICAO, the International Civil Aviation Organization, they were a big sponsor of the global flight. And I had met a lot of the diplomats from the countries that I was flying into. And I just remember going into their offices and saying, hey, so about Avgas, it's going to be there, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course. Don't worry about that. Um, so having that those conversations with the government ahead of time really ensured that I would find Avgas along my stop. Um, but yes, I've heard stories about people, you know, being stuck, and yeah, I can't even imagine.
3: So yeah, go, on. go ahead, Matt. No,
1: no, 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 you first.
3: <laughs> well, I, I was going to talk a little bit. So you had prior Earth Rounders talk to you, and, and Travis was talking to, to us about how he relied on the ex- their experience also. Right. So perhaps uh, who are who are some of the people that helped you? And, and Travis, feel free to jump in. And what I mean. This is all so foreign to us that, um, you know, we don't even know what questions to ask.
5: Yeah. Well, I have some questions for Travis, but to answer your question, um, Barrington Irving, who's a pilot from Jamaica, he set the world record back, I think in 2007, he was 21 at the time where he set the world record of being the youngest person to fly around the world. Um, and he was a great mentor of mine. I mean, we had spent so much time in the course of like four to five years. Um, and it wasn't just just the flying around the world part. It was also the impact with kids and building a platform and a nonprofit. I mean, all of that took so much time. So he really mentored me a lot. But I remember just as I was departing, I spoke with Matt Guthmiller who set the world record a couple of years ago? Also with Ryan and Lockie, I think is how you pronounce his name from Australia, um, and and it was great. I mean, it, it was great to just hear from them what what they went through. But I want to just point out one thing. Um, I wish I had the privilege of speaking to a woman who had flown around the world because I think that would have been a different conversation. And uh, I've noticed with men they can kind of get away with flying around the world without this platform. And, you know, but for me, it was so hard when I would, when I first approached people in the industry that I wanted to do this, it was like, oh, that's really cute. Or like, you know, good luck. Or even like, why don't you do the right thing and take a man with you? So it it was very tough in that sense. Whereas as I see, you know, men wanting to do this, they're not as challenged, so it would have been nice to have some kind of something to, to how to navigate through that. But once you know people really understood what I was doing with the nonprofit work, that's when they started to embrace it and, and believe in me and, and invest in, in it. So, yeah.
3: yeah. I'm going to actually follow up on that. So you, yeah. you mentioned that there were some some challenges in the planning part of it and how people yeah. perhaps didn't take you so so serious. But what about... What about on the trip itself? And, and you know we we'll, and we'll get to oh man we have so many questions but we'll we'll get to that. So so did you find that as a challenge during the trip as you were landing in some of these other countries? Did you find some cultural differences where where they didn't take you seriously or or just challenges of being a woman?
5: You know it was very interesting because they would see me flying into the airport uh, and they meaning you know, the people from the country, predominantly men, I don't want to single them out. And, you know, they would have all this respect. And, you know, but as soon as I'd walk away from the plane, it was different. It was like, now I'm a person. And um I was advised, you know, not to do things that like, like taking a car or walking down to the street to the local market at a very common place where it's not that dangerous. Like, it's, it's, I'm okay to fly a plane by myself around the world, but I'm not okay. It's too dangerous. A girl shouldn't do this to go across the street to the grocery store. You know, I just thought that was so bizarre. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could tell if I was near the airplane, I would have a different, um, reaction versus when I'm somewhere away from an airplane to kind of symbolize what i do the reactions would be different and most times people would be like wait what are you doing who are you you know it was just it was just really strange for them so
1: so yeah. now you, you mentioned you had uh, some questions for for travis actually Far i wonder if i could uh, yeah. trouble you to, to sort of ask them <laughs> sure. while we still have him
5: <laughs> yeah well congratulations travis i'm so proud of you you're you're such so accomplished at such a young age and um you know i, I kind of know what you went through and i give you props um but the one thing that in the earth rounder community when we've always gotten together we've always asked each other would you do it again and, and i'm just curious to know what your answer is
4: <laughs> uh yeah thank you so much uh sorry about that my wi-fi failed but uh, oh. <laughs> yeah i mean uh, uh thank you thank you so much uh uh my uh, i i think uh, i think i definitely would do it again i'm actually i actually like to do it again in a uh, electric aircraft maybe uh break the yeah. world record of the first flight around the world in an electric aircraft so that's uh wow. definitely something i'd like to do yeah
5: oh very good my answer to that was no, no. like unless <laughs> if it's a jet or uh an airplane that you know no there no way there's no need but um good for you really that's 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 great <laughs> yeah I,
4: mean, I i definitely want to do it in uh in uh, quite uh uh probably a, a few years in the future i want to have a good break yeah of
5: course <laughs> a, good time
4: to, a good time to forget the difficulties of the trip <laughs>
5: very good indeed
1: uh Tra- um, travis i mean is would would you like lo- i mean would you love to be like do what armando does basically and sort of fly commercial jet would you love to be a pilot you know for real
4: yes i, I absolutely I, I definitely want to uh i continue to work in uh in, in aviation and uh yeah definitely want a career in that work professionally in that so yeah that's definitely something i'm, I'm very very interested in doing Yeah, just not not sure where i'm going to do that where, where, where i'm going to do
1: that with or who yet so i mean would you have any advice um uh about about uh uh how uh travis could go about that in terms of you know what uh, obviously being so young i mean 18 i mean Actually, it's ridiculous the question
0: it? you want yeah. the question you're asking man yes. i think go on. For, for both you guys is for the young, for the youngsters in uh, who might be listening to the show, or for for all the young people who are uh, maybe wanting to start to get a, to do something in, in aviation, what would be that one piece of advice that you would both give a young kind of either a school S- leaver, or someone who's still at school, you know,
1: who's maybe watch as you say watch this or, or has been following both yeah. both of your journeys uh, what's, what's over What's the one years?
0: piece of advice that you you would both both give a young, a young person? Ladies first.
5: <laughs> okay, sure. Um, you know, for me, it was definitely a confidence issue because I, I hadn't grown up around aviation and I came into it very late. So my advice, whether you've, you've, you've aviation's been a part of your life or not, is to get involved. And I mean that in the sense of, um, you know, there's so much virtual opportunities now. If you can go to a conference or... Go to your local airport. Introduce yourself. I mean, we've all been there, where we've been at an event for the very first time as aviators. You know, whether you are, whether like it doesn't matter where you fall in aviation. Everyone has had that moment where they've gone to an event with no experience and all this passion. So we get it. Um, Go out there. Introduce yourself. Make friends. Have conversations. Really make aviation a Part of your your community um, because it really comes down to we are a very small community and we all love aviation so much. So Mm. you know, just make that effort, get involved, and and make it part of your everyday. You know, that really helped me a lot with my confidence.
0: And Travis,
4: Uh, yeah so. uh uh, what I'd say is, uh, and especially to uh, to uh, the younger generation and, uh, you know, especially as well, aspiring pilots is to you know, continue to just uh, uh, keep aiming for your goals and your dreams and uh, uh, no matter what happens, no matter what uh, you know, events happen in your uh, life that may put you down, or no, no matter what anyone may say, um, uh, just keep pushing towards your goals and uh, you know, eventually you, you can achieve these dreams. You know, I had to uh, so many times in uh, in the especially in the uk I had a lot of people who were uh, who thought um uh, that i was yeah you know, I was actually going to kill myself by doing this so people actually told me that directly and uh, and i feel like that's uh, uh you know that uh, you know, could be part of the uh, the uks uh, you know we we like to, we're quite old-fashioned pilots uh, uh here so it's uh, yeah definitely, <laughs> uh something uh yeah, quite strange for for a lot of these pilots so but yeah i mean no matter what no matter what happens just you don't don't let anybody
0: put you down just keep pushing keep uh, aiming and uh, you'll achieve your goals actually shuttle pod one um has got a good question actually in the chat room and i think we touched on it with you earlier travis but uh shayster what with the flights that you done with you, you know with your long flight that you've done what was on your mind during the long legs of your flight especially when over water
5: don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. You know, it was just like <laughs> that one engine, and you're just like, God, please just keep going. Um, and, and, you know, I flew a bit of a different route than Travis did. I actually went down past the equator, the intertropical conversion zone, um, down to Australia, then flew up a series of South Pacific islands up to Hawaii. And so, you know, if I wasn't worrying about the weather, because I didn't have any weather radar on board, um, I was just terrified. Like, I knew if I had an engine failure, nobody was going to come and get me. Like, this was literally in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Like, there were no other aircraft um, flying, you know, even close to my altitudes. I'm sure the airliners were up there. But it was just like, please don't quit. Like, let's Mm. get to our destination. That was what
0: was running through my mind. Actually, what were the, the flight planning apps? that you? Because obviously a lot of the pilots in the in the U.K. and the U.S. have their their sort of flight planning apps that we used. And yeah. we've spoken about it on previous shows. The Sky Demon, which is used heavily in the U.K. here. And I think, which, what's the one in the U.S., Samondo, you use? Uh, four Flights. Four flight. The that's most it, common yeah. one here. Yeah, what, uh, what was your go-to um, flight planning app that you had, if you used one?
5: Yeah, I did. So I had the Garmin Pilot app. And I have to say, it it just blew my mind away. And I'm kind of aging myself. This was four years ago. Uh, so I, I'm sure the technology has really grown now. But um, it was it was incredible. And I also, Garmin was a sponsor uh, as well as Jefferson. So I had the Jefferson um, plates uh, within my Garmin app. And gosh, that was just such a big lifesaver. It was amazing.
0: And Travis, same for you, is that was was skydiving for you or was it a different uh, four flight or something
4: uh yes yeah, so so i actually used four flights and uh again i mean that that's just absolutely incredible going uh, you know going and uh using that i used it to file uh like 95 percent of my flight plans i could do it all through four flights um and uh yeah absolutely incredible i also had uh, the Jepson uh, pl- uh plates at every airport i was at so you know made it it's all standardized no matter where you're going and uh Super helpful flying through Russia where it's sort all of in meters. They had all the conversion.
1: Oh, conversion yeah, of course, yeah,
4: from mm. meters to feet. So yeah, they were super helpful with that, and a um, uh, full flight was just absolute lifesaver to have.
1: I bet.
0: I Actually, bet. Shasta, we, we spoke with Travis earlier about his what he'd done on the longer legs. You know, to keep. um keep your motivation up i should say when you're flying um and and lara megan carrion in the chat room uh, says a good thing ask a good question about how did you stay calm i mean did you listen to music or podcasts or what did you do on those long stretches
5: yeah so i had the a20 Bose headsets the headset um and that allowed me to listen to music um But, you know, it was it was like this outer body experience, like when that engine would turn on, I was somebody else like I, I didn't feel like I never felt tired when I was flying. I'm sure I was exhausted. But the whole time it was like this um, zone that I had to get into. I couldn't let myself feel human. So But the one thing that kept me going was definitely music and snacks. Like, I was such a big snacker. Whenever we would get, whenever, like, part of my preparation, like, I had a checklist, was get snacks. And that was such a big deal. Like, before I would go on and fly to my next destination, I was like, where is the closest gas station, grocery store? Like, I cannot fly if I'm not eating. (laughs) So um, and I was worried. I'm like, God, I hope I don't choke, you know, as I'm like <laughs> stuffing my face with potato chips. But uh, music um, and, and food helped a lot. But, you know, to be honest with you, I never really felt like, gosh, this is a 14 and a half hour flight. Like, you know, it, it just was like, I have a mission here. I need to get to my destination. And once I get there, I could feel as human as I want to feel. But right now I, I got to fly.
3: Guys, I have, so Shasta, this is awesome. So I'm going to give you the follow-up question first, which is what is the snack of choice for these <laughs> yeah. long legs? This is going to be for both of you, yeah. but, um, but also for both of you, how much of your time, so I know most of my flights are, you know, two hours or less and, and a good portion of that is spent listening to, to everything around you. And like you're saying, it, it, it's just, you just don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. So how much of your of your time did you spend just listening and every single burble of the engine did you think this is it? This is the moment.
5: Oh God! Um, you know, I I don't know what Travis's experiences were, but I was really one with the airplane. Like I could tell with just closing my eyes that we were climbing at this airspeed. Like it, I was so in tune with it, um, and I never really experienced anything with the engine, it was always something outside. Like for example, when I was flying over the Atlantic Ocean, my HF radio antenna snapped off the plane and it's a twenty foot cable and I just thought, God, if this if this interferes with the propeller, like I'm done. <laughs> you know, and, and it was just this tension of like, oh my God, I gotta turn the plane around. I gotta go to land. What is this cable doing? Um, and then also like weather was such a big problem for me, especially because I was flying in um, like around India and Asia during monsoon season. So, I mean, when you're on the ground, weather reports just don't mean anything because once you get up in the air, everything is different. So, it was a lot of like, oh my God, can everything just calm down right now and let me just fly this plane? Because it was always these external factors that was um, causing a lot of tension in the plane. Um, I don't know if that answers your question
3: <laughs> yeah before the before the stack question what about oh, you yeah. Travis what were you thinking
4: yeah i mean that that was uh, very similar to me i was uh you yeah, constantly listening out to the uh, to the engine and uh i had the music playing still a few times over the Atlantic and uh, uh, you yeah, know sometimes you just hear you just feel like uh, uh, yeah, uh sometimes it was just very very light turbulence and I was thinking oh god I hope that's not the engine or yeah I, I turn off the music i just sit there and like oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> what was that noise <laughs> yes um uh, yeah i am try, just trying to work out it's like okay that's not the engine just monitoring the uh the, the temperatures and pressures making sure everything's working as it should be and i'm like okay okay i think it's just a turbulence okay <laughs> and I, yeah, sit back and
1: remain calm. calm yeah absolutely all yes, is well uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> but uh, yeah that's uh that's uh, pretty much what I was like all the time and I was really lucky actually with the weather and uh know uh, yeah, it was very very good for a, a, quite a lot of the flights and the uh, North Atlantic was great uh, actually cost me two thousand dollars to be able to fly in the good weather um uh because I had to actually land in Greenland uh out of hours and take off out of hours uh in order as the uh uh upcoming weather was terrible for like the next uh, two weeks and i didn't want to get stuck in green over two weeks wow so uh that's uh yeah two thousand dollars to leave um but uh it worked out uh, great and uh uh yeah with the weather over over the atlantic and it was yeah
1: and, and very and very quickly obviously the, the snack of choice were, were you a snacker during your, your flights
4: yes yeah i definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely yeah, I, I had a lot of snacks. Um, and my snack of choice uh, was uh,
2: really important. It was uh, Jaffa Cakes.
1: Yay. Yay. Winning! Yeah. Armando's Results, favourite. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
4: I, I
5: remember the point She's I just going,
1: what's Jaffa. a Jaffa Cake? Yeah.
5: Yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Armando got
0: delivery of them this week, so yeah. he, he's, he's a good. But no. We'll, um, we'll get you some Jaffa Cakes, don't worry. What's, what, what was your <laughs> snack of choice, uh, Shasta? What was yours?
5: Um, So, you know, I love chocolate, but very beginning, I learned that by the time you get to your altitude, that chocolate is melted. So, you know, I had to stick with um, foods, but I'm a big potato chip type of person. So it was always any kind of and once you kind of get into different parts of the world, you don't see your typical ruffles or, you know, it's these weird or not weird, but just different brands. (laughs) So it's like. Um but yeah, potato chips was it for me. And and iced coffee. Wherever I could find it, I would just drink iced coffee like it was water.
2: <laughs> Nev. Love it. You remember we had a complaint to the uh, podcast a few years ago about we were talking too much about... Too much food, um, yes. Food and not enough... <laughs> we did, yes. <laughs> but don't yeah. worry, we, we are not shy about talking about No, food. we're not, yeah. absolutely.
5: <laughs> I was just going to
2: ask... In fact, you did answer the question. I was going to ask both of you, actually. What I think is really important about these sort of endurance things is the, is the confidence to do it. But also, I mean, certainly we've found when we've been doing air shows and, and talking to the GA community generally everybody has said the fact that other people are around us and we can talk to them we can share experiences we're at different points in our training some people have got a ppl some people have got an instrument rating um how how important is that to uh, share experiences with people with like-minded people with what you're doing
5: I think it's it's critical. I mean, the one thing that I feel is so important for the aviation community is the storytelling. You know, you you go to these conferences or air shows and you just hear the stories of other pilots, and it really sparks adventure. You know, you you hear these stories and you're like, "What? That's crazy!" And then um, you kind of put yourself out there to have more experiences and, and be able to talk to your friends about them. So. Um, It's important. And for me, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was just like, especially during the really long flights where I'm like, this is impossible. How am I going to fly for the next, you know, nine hours, 14 hours, whatever. Um, Just being able to go back and reflect on people who've had very demanding flights and how, you know, just the perseverance, it, it gives you strength in that moment to keep going or that it is possible. So that storytelling is so critical
2: yeah and did you think the same uh travis was that that important to you as well
4: yeah yeah absolutely i think the uh uh you know you know being able to, you know, to communicate with people and tell them what i t- tell them all about it and you know, share experiences was is is very important and uh, i've already spoken to uh past uh, Sorry. Uh, to um uh, people who already want to go break this record, and so uh you already started giving them advice. Uh, but it was great to you know, receive lots of advice as well before I did it. And it uh, being able to communicate with uh, with fellow pilots and share experiences is yeah,
2: is
5: absolutely essential
4: and it' uh, yeah, great.
2: Sure, now Shasta, tell us about your podcast because you do one of those. Yeah, as well, don't you?
5: well, actually, I'm starting. <laughs> I am um, tomorrow. The announcement will be official on social media, but I'm coming out with a podcast called aviate with Shasta and aviate actually stands for, uh, for something. So it's acknowledge, acknowledging the past and current pioneers in aviation, vocalizing our thoughts our ideas our experiencing our experiences, acting on the things that we're very passionate about, um, inclusion, travel, and evolve—like evolving as a human being—and for me, you know, I I had this experience where my trip took 145 days, almost half a year. So, I um I had met so many people, especially women, as I was going around the world, and I realized that there was a big gap. Um, there are a lot of girls who have interest in aviation, but kind of what's stopping them from taking that leap is a lot of gray area. Like what happens when you become a mom, you know, how can you manage motherhood and having a career in aviation and everything else that comes with life? Or how do you build self-advocacy to go to your boss where if you're not a part of a union and ask for a raise to do the same job as men are doing, um, you know, and then also topics around like mental health, um, these are a lot of things that women are struggling with that they would like answers to. So this podcast is, um, is, is leading into that. So I, I'm interviewing a lot of incredible, prominent women in aviation. And we're having these very honest conversations. Um, not to kind of like, uh, I don't know if you can curse on this podcast, but to like shit on the, <laughs> on, on the ex- industry, but, but really to just talk about it, talk about solutions. And, um, and keep it very positive. So this is coming out tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be on social media and we're launching, um, on Monday. I'm going to be at Oshkosh in, uh, Wisconsin, EAA Air Venture, uh, for a couple of days to promote this. And really our goal is just to give this information to women and hope that they feel more comfortable and more included in the aviation industry.
2: That's fantastic. Well, I'm going to be subscribing to that. That sounds oh, thank really, you. really, really <laughs> beautiful <laughs> be uh, piece of work. So many congratulations thank and you. the best of luck with that. Absolutely. Thank you.
5: I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, another one to add to my list. Yeah, of absolutely. Podcasts You've got like a huge list to. already. Haven't I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. It's can good. I, <laughs> it's good. Can I
5: just give a disclaimer? So yes, of course. <laughs> I've n- never hosted a podcast before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, ah, it's easy. Anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs>
5: no, really. <laughs> and I'm such a perfectionist, and I, I then I realized, wait, I'm not that great at giving interviews. Like, what? It, what was I thinking here? <laughs> so, um, the first recording is not going to be. The greatest, you know, I I'm so I'm a little nervous because I'm like, oh, my gosh, my trailer sounds so much better than my first episode. But uh, bear with me, people like I'm building I'm finding my way through each conversation. And so um, it, it won't be. The best, you know, right off the bat, but we're, we're building towards that. So.
1: Well, the good, the good news is Tony S. is saying in the chat room there that we need a good aviation podcast. The current ones are awful. So, <laughs> <Yeah. that's, laughs> Thank you, Tony. so
3: there we go.
1: <laughs> that's an endorsement <laughs> if ever I heard one. Uh, no, you know, one. One
3: of the things one of the things that I've learned since I've been co-hosting, and these guys have been gracious enough to, to have me on their show the last couple of years, uh, is that the community is, the aviation community is small and the podcast community is even smaller and And you'd be surprised initially coming into this. I thought there was going to be a lot more competition and there really isn't. Uh, Everyone hangs out together. The Mm -hmm. events like Oshkosh and sun and fun, we all meet up. We all have some adult beverages together. We talk about our years ahead and and it's uh, everybody has found their, their own viewpoint. Every show has found its Mm -hmm. own viewpoint on aviation and, and, you know, there's only so many things to talk about, but having each, Show, approach it from a, from a different standpoint and mm. and offer a different worldview. I mean, having Travis on is is great because he's he's so young, right? And he's yeah. talking about for flight and and going around the world with an iridium sat phone instead of an HF radio. I grew up with HF radios also, um, and that information sharing, that experience sharing, is so important. And I, I think you're going to be incredibly successful i think you're going to do so well because the the community will support you and i think you're going to be incredibly so both of you are because because travis i'm telling you you have a, a bright future in aviation and and just hearing from your plans we're we're we all stay in touch and and i believe that we can all help each other like you're saying shasta and and It's just such a cool thing to be part of. And, you know, I'm going on 30 years part of the aviation community, and I'm still young on it. You're talking about uh, the storytelling part of this, those other podcasts and hosts and people that you meet Mm -hmm. at, not just Oshkosh, but your your local airport, you know, whether you're at Seething uh, (laughs) in Norfolk or. Or you're sitting there in in Little Rock, Arkansas, at some little airport. There's an old timer there in the corner that's willing to share their experience. Yeah. Um, and and Shasta, I know you're, you're one of the people that you look up to is Jerry Mock. What a, what an amazing! We don't have time on this podcast to talk about her, but go look her up. Yeah. What about you know talk about a, a groundbreaking achievement. Um, and i can see travis is shaking his head so you know go look her up and and let's get the word all of us together everybody all six of us on this on the show right now let's get the word out and that's what we're doing so yeah i I love having you guys on the show and and you know and figuring out how we're gonna tackle the world together
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely ain't that the truth (laughs)
0: <laughs> so as uh, I know we've, uh, we've uh, only got you for a short time, Shasta, but we've uh, obviously got a special question that we, we always like to ask uh, our guests on the show. We asked Travis earlier. And, uh, Nev, uh, you've got that special question lined up ready. Yes,
2: it's the question for you, Shasta, and that yes. is given the opportunity to fly any aircraft, whether it's GA, uh, commercial, military, uh, current aircraft, or one that's been retired, what would that be?
5: Oh God, I'm such a fan of fighter jets. So anything with an F in front of it, sign <laughs> me up. You know, I <laughs> just I love fighter jets. And if I could, I, you know, I, I wish I could have went the military route. It's too late now because my age. But yeah, any F thirty five, whatever, I will take it happily
1: excellent and, yeah no, I love well it.
2: anything with an f in front of it is good as far as armando, <laughs> because,
1: <laughs> yeah <absolutely. laughs> yeah the, the rest of us are not quite so sure mainly because we don't understand it that's that's <laughs> bit, and, that, and that's why we have an armando uh but uh yeah well i mean look guys it's been uh so much fun having both of you on um it's it's been a real privilege it's uh we're we're going to uh pause there for a brief moment while we just work out a couple of logistics um
5: uh unfortunately i have to jump out, <coughs> out. sorry john mm-hmm. i hope that's okay
1: yeah yeah no, no that's fine, fine. okay right. well we'll just do we'll just do a very quick quick uh, wrap up we've wrap got up, we've yeah. got we've got a video that we can play so we'll just do a, a final wrap up and then yeah. then we'll let both of you lovely people go i think because you've both been very generous with your time and i i really appreciate it so oh, yeah. thank you wrap we'll up. just do a quick yeah uh, let me just switch to carlos then and we'll do a quick wrap up and then we'll go into a video so uh, gonna, and it's the it's talking. Uh, do you know what it's about?
0: The video
1: is so it's it's. Uh, Armando Armando did an nice. interview with Sandra and Barry. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, so yes. All it's the Baz yeah. player, around yeah, the world Yeah, it's, it's the bass player because again with the around the world theme. So it's Well, I'll just I'll just hand over. Yeah. Armando am yeah, yeah, yeah. You hand over to Armando. That's so,
7: <laughs> that's the that's the other, that's the other solution.
1: Uh, hang on, uh, just give me two seconds because I need to get some uh, bits lined up so that I can do it smoothly. Because uh, I'm not very good at this live thing. Uh, <laughs> We've only been doing this for about seven eight years. years yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, ready. Uh, so, ready whenever you are, Carlos.
0: So a uh, massive thanks to both our guests uh, for coming on the show tonight, Shasta and Travis. Thank you for taking up the time uh, on this Friday evening or Friday afternoon uh, to uh, come on the show. We appreciate it very much. And I'm sure the uh, the, the listeners are going to love listening back to this as well yeah. uh, on the show. So have a fantastic future, both of you guys. All the best of luck to you both. And uh, yeah clear skies oh yeah social yeah. media before we go shasta your social media links just for all the benefit of all the listeners
5: uh, so you can find me Ways on instagram twitter facebook um and the website aviate with shasta will be live on monday um and you can actually go on to wherever you listen to your podcast and listen to the trailer of aviate with shasta so the podcast again The name is Aviate with Shasta. There's a two-minute trailer um, on wherever you listen to your podcast. And then tomorrow, we're going to be coming out with a couple of announcements.
1: And uh, Travis, uh, uh, same question to you. So uh, if people would like to continue to follow your your journey, just give uh, everyone a quick reminder of how they do that.
4: Yes, so you can uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, I'm Travis Ludlow underscore around the world. Uh, you can also uh, follow me on Facebook as well, Travis Ludlow, and i uh, got a Facebook page as well, it's Around the World Solo and uh, as well as that i uh, got a YouTube channel, Travis Ludlow dash Around the World Solo and uh, finally my website is uh, www.aroundtheworldsolo.co.uk and uh, you can uh, get all the links to all those uh, previously mentioned uh, uh, social media outlets there and uh, a lot more information as well, so uh, go check it out
0: Thank you very much to you both again. And uh, as I said, uh, have a fantastic future, both of you. And, uh, yeah, f- have happy flying, anyway, I should say. So we've got a very special part of the show coming up next, and we're going to hand it over to Armando to introduce.
3: Yeah, guys, we're going to keep the theme going. We're This is an interview that we did a couple years ago at Oshkosh, which, by the way, starts next week, um, as Shasta was talking about. And this is uh, Barry and Sandra Payne. Payne, who flew their Baz Flyer around the world. It was a Piper Comanche. So Matt, if you're ready, hit it. Alright, so team, I'm here with Miss Sandra Payne and Barry Payne, who are flying a Comanche all the way across the world. Uh, First of all, welcome to the show.
6: Thanks Amanda. Thank you. So, you're flying across the
3: world. How did you get this idea?
6: Well, it was... uh We've run out of long-range flying to do in the uh, South Pacific area, and we thought, what's next? And um, somebody, Sandra, said, well, we should fly around the world. And I said, well, why not? Let's go do it. Now, she was
3: telling me you guys have flown this Comanche over some pretty open
6: expanses of water, haven't you, just in the past 10 years? We have, and... um, we live in New Zealand, and uh, anywhere you want to go um, seriously outside New Zealand, you've got a lot of water to fly over to get to the next bit of land or country. So, uh, you know, we're quite used to flying over water. And, um, in fact, we, um, I bought the Comanche so that uh, we could do just that with um, with ease. And, yeah. So what was it about the I've flown,
3: I've flown the Comanche and... I know I fell in love with it as soon as I started flying it. But what was it about the Comanche that you were looking for that you said that's the air- the right airplane to do this?
6: Well, it wasn't it wasn't my choice to begin with. Um, I was looking for an airplane that we could do just what we're doing now with comfortably, and um, a good friend of mine said, "Well, you need a Comanche," and I said, "No, I don't," um,
1: Is it thinking they were too old.
6: But um, when I looked at the uh, performance specs, uh, he was right. Um, and the, this Comanche, well, um, it's a light aeroplane. We can uh, carry the fuel load and ourselves and some very light baggage and uh, survival equipment and uh, take off at cross weight. Now, Missandra, you're also a pilot, correct?
7: That is correct, yeah. yes.
3: So how do you manage... The workload, um, or the planning going across the ocean, and such—you know—such an endeavor.
7: Uh, Barry and I fly as a crew and we we decided we'd look at what our strengths and weaknesses were and so he does all the takeoffs and landing and twiddling with the um, you know the autopilot I manage the systems and the fuel and the human factors making sure our oxygen levels are at the right level hydration um, all the things that, that I call housework on the flight and together I think we fly as a pretty nice team. Yeah.
3: Well, that's the perfect marriage too, isn't it?
6: <laughs> A very good one, actually. Yeah. So well, we've been married fifty years. Wow! Congratulations. I've been flying fifty years, and um, we've got fifty flights around the world. Uh, and so fifty fi-
7: years at Oshkosh as well. Yeah, so it's, it's
3: the stars have aligned this year to do this, right? Yeah, certainly have. Now, what kind of planning? We were talking a little bit about weather planning, just and what time of year do you go? But what kind of planning considerations does it take to go across the world?
6: Well, obviously, f- fuel is the big criteria. AF gas is not as available as it uh, used to be many years ago, so our routing is primarily around where the uh, fuel's available, and um, and then of course uh, where um, it's in many cases we just want to go to those places and, and have a look. So um, that really set our planning.
3: Now you were saying that you've you've crossed uh, the equator a couple of times now. Uh, we will yeah.
7: We've crossed it once and when we go back we'll cross it again. Yeah.
3: And no major weather problems or challenges?
7: Uh, When we came up through the intertropical conversion zone, we were expecting a little bit of turbulence and maybe, you know, not such a good flight. But we were blessed, and we had a really nice, smooth ride. The interesting thing is you could see the pattern ahead of you. And the clouds were quite open, so we were allowed to, you know, just go around them and keep going. So it was a pretty nice flight.
3: Now, what's the longest leg that you're doing that is over water or the furthest from an airport that you will be?
7: Uh, we've already done that. It was from Kagus—sorry, uh, from Guam to Kagoshima in Japan, and that was a nine-hour flight over water. And it really was over water. There wasn't a bird, a fish, a plane, <laughs> or an island anywhere along the line. But it was a good flight, and uh, we really enjoyed it.
6: Have you made any special modifications to the airplane for this trip? No, really, it's uh, it's the airplane as we use it every uh, every time we fly. Um, it has uh, um, as a Comanche, it has an extra fuel tank in the back, but that's a um, uh, an STC to fuel tank for the Comanche. So we've got 140 gallons, which gives us um, about 11 and a half hours. And uh, so, literally, um, and I'm, I maintain it, so I'm the engineer as well. Great. So we literally pushed it out of the hangar, put our survival gear on board, and set out. That's great. And can you describe the route a, a little bit?
3: What, so you've left New Zealand, and what's what's the overall plan?
7: Uh, We left New Zealand on 28th of April and we've allowed ourselves a six-month window to do the trip. We went from um, New Zealand to Australia, Australia to Papua New Guinea, Papua New Guinea to Guam, Guam to Japan, Japan, three stops in Russia, and then across to Nome in Alaska. And we've done a bit of a tiki tour, I think you would call it, in the the USA. And we went out to... um, New York and then we went down to Tulsa in Oklahoma and then back on up here to Oshkosh. So this is kind of about halfway. Um, from here we go into Canada over to Goose Bay up to Greenland, Iceland and into Scotland, England and then we're hoping to go to Switzerland, Poland and then to Moscow. And from Moscow we'll go across Russia and into Vladivostok and then down south home from there.
3: That's, that's a amazing endeavor that you're, you're taking on. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier was the community aspect of aviation and how when someone takes on an effort like this, suddenly
6: people start helping you from all over, don't they? Look, aviation, the general aviation community is worldwide is Smitten with exactly the same virus, and it, um, and so there's, a, um, there's no known antidote, and you just enjoy it. And so, yeah, it doesn't matter where you are, the only difference might be a bit of language, um, but that's quickly overcome by uh, the, the fraternity of aviation. Yeah, we have met so many lovely, lovely people. Um, across all of the countries we've visited so far and um, all I can say is uh, if that was the world it's a nice place. I agree and Oshkosh is the best place to
3: experience that with people from all walks of life and every country and every kind of airplane here isn't it?
6: Yes it is. Yeah Yeah, no amazing. So um, it's our second visit to Oshkosh um, and I can say bringing our airplane here has been one amazing experience. Um and, uh, and we're only halfway through.
7: <laughs>
6: well, I wish you all the best. And, and we actually always
3: end with one question. And since you're both pilots, I'll ask both of you. If you could fly any airplane in the world, current, past, future, and money was no object other than your beautiful Comanche, because I did take a look at it. It's beautiful. What airplane would that be?
7: Um, I think here at Oshkosh, I've actually fallen in love with the Spartan executive. And I think I wouldn't mind giving that one a go. Yeah. Yeah.
6: And me, I couldn't go past a Mustang. No. <laughs> have to have it to match my motor car. Well, I think you guys should pass out your cards and your, bro-
3: your little brochure over there in the vintage and warbirds area, and you may you may get the chance before you take off on Thursday, right?
6: Oh, <laughs> yeah. And thank you very much for your uh, time, and um, we look forward to perhaps meeting up again in the future. But if you ever come down under do come and see us.
3: I absolutely will. I have your contact information. And, and you're leaving here Thursday. Thursday. So uh, if anybody w- is listening over in, in Europe and anywhere on that route that they mentioned, you know, look them up on their website, which I saw. And you can actually, what's the website again?
7: Bazflyer.com.
3: And that's Baz, uh, Bravo, Alpha, Zulu, uh, flyer.com. And you can follow their progress. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Pleasure.
0: I love the fact that uh, Armando is wearing his uniform then. Of course, of course, very he's, always, he's
1: always very smartly dressed. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Very smart.
1: I, I hope you'll you'll
0: bring your uniform next weekend, uh, Nev.
2: Uh, well, indeed, yes. I, I hope the weather um, mm. is going to uh, play, ball. play ball. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> it will. <laughs> yeah. no, so sure. For those
0: of you uh, who are in the UK and can make it, and you might be thinking of going, mm. um, take yourselves over to Old Buckingham next Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but me and Nev will be at Old Buckingham Air Show next Saturday. Uh, we're mm. going to get there kind of sort of around about sort of ten, half ten, aren't we, Nev? Yep. Thereabouts uh, on the day. Uh, so, keep your eyes open if you are there. Give us a tap on the shoulder. Uh, yeah. We'll uh, never be the one holding so, a
1: large muff. Uh, and I do feel like, like I need to say this now that socially distanced. Of socially course. distanced, of course. yes. Exactly. Yes, yeah. oh, do do do. Do my my muff not, not so. had an outing for more than a year, actually. Has it so, not? Gosh, bl- come, bl- come you, you, come it'll come need a good vacuum, it. I think. Get, get yeah. br- brush it off. Yes. Quite, absolutely. Uh, so, that, that, yeah, that is where we start to wrap up our very special Around the World Aviation special, which is what we've we've had this the uh, today i've really enjoyed it i think it's been uh in truly inspiring to speak to some young aviators uh, out there uh, uh, again thank you to shasta for her time and uh, travis what a lovely young man he's yeah. he's got a, a bright future ahead Definitely. of him i think he'll, uh, be, a, he'll to, be off to ba soon he will well, absolutely, absolutely. He'll, he'll be triple he'll, seven he'll, say, he'll be flying he'll be flying your what? stuff around before long never i don't i don't doubt for a minute List, Jeez, listen yes, out for his I name we
2: be worried about that no, in the slightest.
1: absolutely. <laughs> so, social media zen.
0: Well, the links and stuff for social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, search for Plain Talking UK. Don't forget, there's also that WhatsApp number plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Email the show uh, podcast at plain talking if you want to send us. We'd love to hear from you uh, if you're a listener of the show. We'd love to hear some feedback from you, uh, and also the website w's dot plain talking. TalkingUK.com uk.com is where you can go uh, to our website to see all the glorious content on there and also you'll find the links to our shop where you can buy a fantastic ptuk t-shirt if you haven't already got one and you can also grab yourself a mug a ptuk mug if you want to grab yourself one of those on the store on there as well you can also find the links on there to patreon or on paypal if you want to become a uh donator to the show uh, we really do appreciate that immensely indeed and it helps to uh, to get me and them out to the air shows yeah. uh, to cover get some great great, great content for you guys mm. and girls and don't forget as well if you are on the website don't forget that amazon link is also on there if you do shopping through that amazon link on there it doesn't cost you a Benny, but it does give us a small referral fee and uh, don't forget those social media reminders for travis uh, his website all around the world solo.co.uk and uh Shasta's one was oh my one note has just disappeared from me has it right typical okay. I'm, I'm using an i'm using an eye i'm using an eye yeah. device that's why yeah
3: the podcast is 88 with shasta and then um We didn't get a chance to talk about her her charity and her outreach program, which is Dreams Soar, and that's dreamssoar.org, and there's a wealth of information about her flight on there and what she's trying to do with that, so go visit those two.
0: Yeah, Six. make sure you check uh, check those out, and don't forget to add the podcast to your list as well, because I'm sure that'll be fantastic. Mm, absolutely. So I hope you've all enjoyed our Round the World special show tonight. It has been fantastic. We've all, as hosts, thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm sure you have as well, uh, the listener. Uh, and, uh, yeah, make sure you stay tuned uh, to back to us next week, where we'll be having loads of good discussions again, I expect. Absolutely. But uh, normal service will normal be
1: resumed
0: <laughs> But uh, that is what we're gonna gonna wrap up the show then. So a big thanks to Matt here in the studio with me. Big thanks to Armando as well for joining us, even though he has had slight issues with mains. <laughs> he hung in there. He hung in there. And <laughs> big thanks as well to Neville Bounds, who's been awesome as always. And also not forgetting as well our producer John, who does
1: lots. See, I can say seriously, guys, if you saw the, the amount background. of work that he does in the background yeah. to get this, everything from artwork to all the all the publications. He, John literally that, does. Have Having a full-time job itself, I should stress. John literally yeah. does, yeah. does like,
0: nine PPL exams yeah. Yeah, every pretty week. pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah. Before we do the show. Yeah, indeed. So that's it then, guys. Have a fantastic week. I don't know week. what to do with
1: that information. You, I know. Just, you made that up on the spot, didn't Have you? A, no, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I, thought, I thought
0: that one <laughs> up. I put a lot of effort into that. Actually.
1: Did you? Yeah, all of 12 seconds.
0: Yes. Have a fantastic <laughs> week, everyone. Stay safe and look after yourselves. Have a great weekend. Take care. And we'll... See you all again next next Friday. Bye,
1: everyone. Bye. Bye. (laughs)